Welcome back to Change Ed. I am your host, Inner Kuhn from Montgomery County Intermediate Unit, the number one educational consultant in Montgomery County. Wow. And here with me is Patrice Semachek, the original number one in the Montgomery County. You're the goat? Yeah, I am. Wow. We have the goat in the house with us. Not only do we have the goat from Montgomery County, we also have the godmother of Pennsylvania esports, Camus <laughs> Kirsch from Chester County Intermediate Unit. Welcome, Camus. Thank you so much for having me. I don't think I deserve the title of godmother, but I'm honored to be in the presence of such goats. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't imagine how anybody would track this podcast already. Okay, Miss, we're excited to have you here. Uh, like we talked about, we're talking about the love of teaching this month, and you have a lot of really great things that you want to share with our listeners. So we're going to get into it. Okay, Miss, to kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am at the Chester County Intermediate Unit as the STEM Services Coordinator, but I have the pleasure, like many of us in education, of wearing a whole bunch of hats. So I also get to do project management and consulting on STEM and computer science for the Pennsylvania Department of Ed, and I get to be the director of the Pennsylvania Scholastic Esports League. Wow. It's a lot of things. Tiny job. I think many of us in education get to have lots of those jobs. That is true. Yeah. I feel like education is one of those places where you have a lot of commas in your title, right? Like comma and comma and comma and. Definitely, definitely. So, Camus, uh, for the month of October, we're focusing on <laughs> agape. It's October? Not, it's not October. Oh, what month is it? Definitely not October. It's February. Oh, wow. February. It's February? When the month happen? of love. I thought it snowed in October. Dang. We cut sometimes all that it out. is confusing nope. because sometimes it snows in October, but right now it is snowing in January, which is soon to be February. You know what? That makes more sense. Agape means love. We know that you have all these things that you do, this job, but tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you originally get into education? What was the fuel that lit your flame to get you into this spot? That's one of my favorite questions. And I think as educators, we have to go back to our why because what got us into teaching, regardless of what hat we wear in education now is really hopefully what continues to fuel us. So I went into college thinking I was going to study medicine. I've always been excited by science. I'm still excited by science. Maybe we'll talk about that some other time. But what I found was that the the times that I was really happy were times that I was getting to share what I was doing with others, whether that was helping my mom teach CCD in high school or in college. The only time I seemed to be calm in my whole freshman year was when I was teaching martial arts. And so I was like, oh, like, well, maybe I need to combine the things that make me happy with the things that make me interested. And I've been teaching martial arts since I was 13. I still continue to teach martial arts. And, you know, finding my love of teaching there allowed me to pair it with my passion for science and for STEM and um, eventually become a science teacher. It's awesome. And when you were, you know, thinking about your journey and uh, as you're thinking about education and considering education, it obviously wasn't for what we talked about with the job title with all the commas. (laughs) So you're thinking, okay, let me go into the classroom and teach. At what point um, did you think, you know, I could consider something like the uh, working at an intermediate unit and supporting people in education? When did when did that happen? How did that transition happen for you? So I started teaching uh, right like during after the housing crisis and there 
was scarcity in so many different job fields that I I was terrified that I wasn't going to have a job. My dad kept telling me like, it's going to be fine. Like you're going to be teaching science. Like there's a high need. You'll be okay. Um, but I, I wasn't sure. So, you know, I, I ended up teaching at this really small school and, and wasn't really sure if it was going to be a forever place or a long-term place or what would happen. And I have been so fortunate in my career to land at jobs with incredible mentors and incredible leaders. And so I landed with at the school with a principal who helped young teachers and new teachers gain leadership opportunities really early. And it's because it was a small staff. Everybody did everything. There's the comma started early. Um, And, you know, as I think it was my second year, she said, you know, would you be interested in being on this curriculum team? And do you have any interest in helping us with our tech academy? Like, well, I have a commitment during the tech academy maybe next year, but sure, like teach me this curriculum thing. And I'd never written curriculum before. You know, I was just a couple years out of school. And there were four or five of us that went to New York City to get trained and were expected to come back and train the rest of the staff. It was a pretty veteran staff. Like people had been there for a long time. And it was my first exposure to peer leading, peer leading, Mm -hmm. professional learning. And leading professional learning. And I I really early on like knew I loved professional learning. I got to go to the National Science Teacher Association Conference as a pre-service teacher, thanks to DuPont sponsors, University of Delaware teachers every year and got hooked with the concept of like having a professional learning community, continuing to immerse myself as a learner. And so this opportunity to be a trainer and help my colleagues was really exciting to me. And then I started doing a lot with technology. Ed tech really became kind of an area of focus for me. And the more I did that, I was tech coaching the other teachers and developing content and going out and finding new things and sitting in on leadership meetings about like what next steps would be for our technology innovation program. We were a, a one-to-one iPad school pre-COVID. Um, and you know, I found that I was teaching my students, but I was also doing a lot of supporting with my colleagues. And I realized I couldn't do both of those at the same time really well. And I had to, I felt like I had to pick one to put a little bit more effort into. And I was really excited about the idea of exploring what does it look like to support teachers as adult learners as a full-time job. And that's when I started looking for an opportunity to do that. That's impressive that you had a principal that was so willing to put, you said, second year teacher in a curriculum type position. I've never, I've never heard of a principal being that open. That's she was absolutely remarkable. Uh, she, I mean, she still is. I had lunch with her last week. Like she's, oh, that's awesome. she's still a remarkable person. And the way that she developed leaders and what those leaders have gone on to do across multiple states, across multiple schools, um, I think it just says a lot to her leadership. And it yeah. certainly shaped my view of a distributed leadership model and why, you know, being a leader doesn't live at the top of a hierarchy. Yeah. We're all leaders in education and how we choose to live that out, whether it's in our classroom and we lead by example or taking on opportunities, you know, the kind of opportunities that led me to where I am. I'm super, super grateful for her leadership. What I love about this and I love about what you're saying is is embracing something different or going not going your traditional route on how things are done, embracing something new, which this podcast Change Ed is, is all about. How do we embrace these changes? How do we consider new frontiers and look at new things to Get a different result, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get something different out of it, but knowing that you won't. Case when you look uh, uh, across 
your landscape of all the things that you do, all the things that you're responsible for, all the things that you help to support, what is it that gets you really excited and fired up about being part of education and things that you see, whether they're already developed or they're developing or coming to fruition? What's it, Maybe there's more than one thing, but what's the thing that you get excited about every day when you get up? You're like, yep, let's go. I, there's work to do. So I, I went to a training many years ago and I have no idea who the presenter was, but her words continue to, to live with me. And she talked about every time, whether we do work like you and I do, where we're not necessarily with students a lot of the time, or we are classroom teachers and we're student facing, regardless of what we do, we always have to imagine there's a student in the room mm. that like the idea of leaving an empty chair at the dinner table, like there's always a student that we're working towards or a student that we're working towards serving. And that concept is what fuels me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning that a lot of my work right now is not student facing. Yeah. I just had the opportunity to work with a student earlier today, which was kind of cool because I don't get to do that very often. But most of what I'm doing is working with teachers or school leaders or other statewide or national leaders. And it's so important to me that when we have conversations about what does the future of education look like, we either figuratively or literally have a student in the room. Mm. When we're doing strategic planning for a school, do we have an opportunity to get student feedback. When we're thinking about what's working in our classroom, are we asking students? And those are super scary questions. And I think that's what I love is finding other people that think about education student first. Mm. The idea of doing that with students is a really, I don't know if it's like groundbreaking, but no one really thinks about it, right? Like no one thinks about that. Yeah, we all say we're doing it for the students, but if we're not inviting them to actually sit at the table or even pretend that they're sitting at the table, a lot of times we get caught up in the everyday and the, the work, not necessarily like the joy of what we're doing. I think what I think about some of my most joyful moments of my education career, they've largely been things that students have done because or been able to do or experience because of some kind of back end work yeah. we've put in. You know, when I was in the classroom, I think a lot about, you know, developing my mock trial team and how we started from a totally coach led program and how it went to a totally student led program. My last year, they were like, no offense. If you're not here, we're fine at practice. <laughs> Like we know what we're doing if somebody else has to come sit in because we built systems to develop student leadership. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the programming that we've developed at the IU, our esports programming, the chief science officer programming, the way the steel standards are coming to life in classrooms, Mm -hmm. they're all creating opportunities for students. And it's hearing the student impact, seeing it come to life for students that I think just reminds me why we do what we do. You know, you, you said the magic E word, esports. <laughs> Tony's not here. Tony is not here and he's sad to not be here, but he said that the godmother of esports in Pennsylvania was coming and he wasn't <laughs> worthy of being in the same space. Godmother. Uh, so I'm interested. I just want to give you an opportunity to, to kind of share from an esports lens. What does esports look like in this educational world that we're talking about and what's the impact that it can have as we talk about changing and changing perspective and taking on a new thought process. And I'll say I went into what is now being the director of the Pennsylvania Classic Esports League as a skeptic. I went in thinking, okay, we're going to have kids play video games. What's going to come out of this? Like why? Like why? Like help me learn more. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that that tell me more attitude is what we have to think about across education in general, whether it's esports or AI. We have to be willing to continue to be learners, that there's so much that we can continue to discover. So, I mean, the landscape of esports in Pennsylvania is exciting. You know, we're one of the leading states nationally. We're supporting over 300 different coaches. We had over 140 clubs, uh, teams participate with us in our fall competition, which means we're serving hundreds of students and hundreds of educators, educators who are telling us that they are reignited in their passion for teaching and education because they have this way to interact with their students, students saying they want to come to school or they're finding their passion in STEM or otherwise through esports. So it gets me excited. It's something new. It's something different. And I think we have to be willing to embrace the new and different and see what education can look like to best serve the kids of today. Well, Kim, I was going to give you an opportunity to have a uh, final thought, but I feel like everything you just said was the final thought. Uh, and it really summed it up well of embracing the new, embracing different and not necessarily being afraid of it, but leaning into it, leaning towards it. But since uh, this is my podcast, I am going to also add in a final thought uh, as well, which is I'm going to summarize all these great things that I heard you saying. And really what I heard was that there is a huge support system for educators out there. And in, in the IUs, at the state level, all of these people who are working and are advocating for education and trying to make it better, make it more meaningful and, and help our students. But you might not often not see all of that work that's happening, right? And this idea of leaving uh, an empty seat at the table so that you, you know, you, as those individuals who might kind of be working behind the scenes are remembering uh, being educators, being at that level. But it reminds me of, uh, you know, for theater that the show cannot go on unless you have the stage crew that you're not going to see during the performance, but they're behind the scenes creating all these things and creating these avenues for uh, greatness to unfold on the stage. So, Camus, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you for taking time and for joining the state's most famous podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. We run out of time for this episode. We'll see you again next week for your favorite 15 minutes. That being the Change Ed podcast, of course. On behalf of the entire Change Ed team, remember to be the change you wish to see in education. Mm-hmm.